Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Nkepo of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Ntefo is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs and wonders. His in-depth teaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now, here's today's message. Now, we started our journey towards church growth. Church growth. Oh, I can't hear you. I said church growth. And before I go on, let me remind you of my three powerful church growth secret tools. Church growth, it is possible. No, we start with church plant. We must, we must plant the church first. And then we must make efforts to grow it. And then we must understand the different things that we must do to grow the church. And be encouraged of the fact that it is possible. So this conference is called Church Growth It Is Possible Conference. Yeah. Church Growth It Is Possible Conference. Hallelujah. So get these three combinations. I get what I'm saying. Alright, get them. If you buy the Macarius, which I want you to buy, you'll find them in it. But minimum, minimum, you have to get these three tools. Send them to your office. Study them. It is possible. God will make you a mega church pastor. Can I have an amen? Amen. Can I have an amen? amen? Now, yesterday we started our journey to building large churches. How many of you realize that we started a journey yesterday? Alright. And we realized that the first thing we need to do on that journey is to even understand why we need to build a large church. Amen? So we went through all that. Now today, I want to start off by sharing with you church growth and the constant effort to accomplish. Hallelujah. Or church growth and hard work. Church growth and hard work. Church growth. Now, listen to me, pastors. How many of you want to become a mega church pastor? Alright. Say, in the name of Jesus. Because I want to become a mega church pastor, I've decided from today to be healed, to be delivered, to go away from laziness. From today, I'm a hard-working pastor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, listen to me, pastors. 
all your dreams to become a mega church pastor will only remain a dream for as long as you are a lazy pastor. And many pastors are very, very lazy. Lazy. Can't move. Won't move. Can't work. Everything about the ministry is work. The ministry is work. The ministry is not rest. The ministry is not sleeping. The ministry is not... The ministry is work. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus worked all the time. Jesus worked all the time. He worked tirelessly. You read the scriptures. You find him preaching by the, the seaside, on the mountains, on the hills, in people's homes, giving private interviews, healing people, going about. Do you know that Jesus' ministry meant he had to go about? And in those days, there were no helicopters, private jets, taxis, nothing, emails, all these things. He had to walk. When Jesus started his, his ministry, Matthew four seventeen, the Bible says, and from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew four twenty three, the Bible says, and Jesus went uh, to all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel and healing all manner of diseases. He went about, Matthew now 35, and Jesus went about all their cities and all their villages. He went about. Now, Jesus started his ministry in northern Israel, which is Galilee. And then from there, he would come to Jerusalem. From Israel, northern Israel to Jerusalem, is 200 miles. 200 miles. Yeah. When you sit in a car, we have made that journey before. When you sit in a car and on the road, you are seeing sights and all that. You start early in the morning, you get to Jerusalem in the evening. So when you see Jesus moving from Galilee to Jerusalem, that is hard work. He went about. He went about. Ministry is hard work. One of the amazing things that makes people wonder about Bishop Dad is so when does he rest? If you look at all the things that he does, last year he was in Zimbabwe having crusades, 15 different cities. Now, typically, he will preach at a pastor's conference like this. Do you understand it? And then after that, he will come back in the evening. He will normally travel with people. So in between the times, he's having meetings. Do you understand it? He's writing books. He's doing all kinds of things. And then he comes to preach. Then it continues. Fifteen cities plus travel. You have to travel long hours. I get what I'm saying. Plus overseeing 3,000 churches, 2,000 pastors, 
and all the different issues that go with that. Eh? Coordinating the building of church buildings. Looking after international uh, uh, missionaries. And it goes on and so you, you, you wonder when does the person sleep? But that is the ministry. Many of us have not done well because we are lazy. Church growth is directly related to hard work. Yes. Within the last two weeks, I'll be moving. I went to Sierra Leone for a church group conference two Sundays ago. I arrived from the airport, crossed the sea in a boat. Many of our missionaries in that country were waiting for me there. I was taken from there straight into the pulpit. Straight into the pulpit. When I finished, their question was, how come we expected that you go and rest in the hotel? Straight into the pulpit. From there, morning, evening, morning, evening, morning, evening, morning, evening. Preaching long hours. I came back to Accra Thursday. In the evening, I didn't go home. Then I flew. I continued, flew and traveled again. Then came back last Tuesday. Today is Thursday. Last Tuesday evening. Then Wednesday, I'm here. I'm preaching. God will finish on Friday. Saturday, God will now travel to Kumasi. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Monday evening, have a convention in Kumasi. Then, this is Monday. Then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I have a church group conference. I'm told that more than 3,000 pastors have registered for that conference. Yeah. Last night, after I finished preaching, I was here. We had meetings. We had meetings. When I left, I went to the hotel. We continued. You want to be a mega church pastor and you are sleeping? Jesus raised up from the dead. You cannot raise up from your bed. Amen? So church growth goes with hard work. Hallelujah. Amen. Eh? Diligence. Diligence talks about hard work. Church growth is accomplished through constant effort. Through constant effort. You can never rest. You can never rest. All the things that you must do to let the church grow must be done on a regular, repetitive basis with the same amount of force and energy all the time. Whether it is working or it is not working until it works. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. No matter how big, let's say that this cathedral is a mountain. It's a mountain. Okay. How many of you know that 
if this is a mountain and we are given a little hammer or chisel to chisel this mountain so that you remove this mountain, it is going to be impossible. How many of you know that? It's going to be impossible. But do you know that? Do you know that? If you continue to do it, it may take 20 years. It may take 20 years old. But because of your constant effort at chiseling, a day will come that this mountain will disappear. Trying to build a large church is like trying to chisel down Mount Afajatu or Mount Everett. It's not going to be easy. That is why many pastors don't experience church because they give up very quickly. Because you see, sometimes you do what they say you should do, but the thing is not working. It's not working. But you must continue with the constant effort. Constant effort. Yes. Now, if you take footballers in a football team, what is their work? Now, have you asked yourself, what is their work? Do you understand? You say, I'm a footballer. I play for Manchester United of England. What is your work? Do you know what they do? They train all the time. They train in the morning. They train in the evening. And in between that, the individual player even trains on their own. They train on their own. They go to the gym to build their muscles. They, they, they lift up weights. All kinds of things to, to put them always in a condition to play. Many good players are not allowed to play because the coach says, you are fat. Shed off the fat. Shed it off. For example, in football, if, if, you, are, if you are physically not well conditioned, you can die. They run a lot. Too. So your heart is beating all the time. Now, if you stop running, they are going to score you. If you are a defender and you allow the striker to run past you. They call it getting behind the defenders. They are saying, all, all that they are trying to do is that they are trying to get behind the defenders. If they get behind you, that's it. Yeah. And, and it is a terrible thing to play with a fast number nine. Yeah. There's a little team in England, Leicester. They won the championship last year. Their formula was very straightforward. When they get the ball, their number nine was very fast. Jimmy Vardy. Very fast. So when they get the ball, when they get the ball in their half, they just boot the ball out front. And he uses his speed to outpace the defenders and score. So such a person has to be running all the time. So I'm sure he has to do exercises that makes him to be fit. His blood pressure must be right. His heartbeat must be right. And all that. It takes constant effort. Many of us are lazy. Damn lazy. Pastors. 
Lazy. Amen. And when you are lazy, you will always be down. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24. Eh? The diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. You will always be down. You will always be a servant. You will always be begging in the ministry. You don't have money. Everything I have to help you. Can you bring me some, buy some chairs for me? Can you buy me some equipment? You have been in this for, for 10 years, 5 years. Why are you still begging? Can I have an amen? amen. Eh? Are we being healed of the laziness? Without persistence in seeking the growth of the church, you will never have a mega church. Listen to that. Without persistence in seeking the growth of the church, you hear pastors say, in fact, I, I don't know what to do anymore. I've done everything. You've done everything. You've done everything. Pastors of Lighter Chapel International, eh? many of them don't know what Bishop Dark has written. They don't. Even though they are children of the house, they don't. Because they take it for granted that they know. That they know. You say you have done everything. There are 18 things here. Church growth and camp meetings and conventions. Have you done camp meetings and conventions in a certain way? Church growth and TV ministry. Church growth and radio ministry. Church growth and women. What type of women do you have in your church? Church growth and anakazu. Eh? Church growth and Gethsemane. When you pray for 30 minutes, when was the last time you went to hide somewhere? You and God, you locked yourself in the room for seven days. Say, Lord, I'm here with you. No phone, nothing, I'm here. Seven days. You say you have done everything. And even if you have done it, you have to persist. You have to persist. It's just like couples who want to have children. Sometimes, for some unexplained reason, the woman doesn't conceive. And after some time, both the woman and the man, they give up. But you have to persist. You must persist. Yeah. A couple of days ago, um, one of my daughters sent me a test. She was very happy. She said, she said Bishop, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. She, she's been married for a while. You see, and I've been doing all kinds of things. And I'll be encouraged. I said, you press on. You press on. You press on. You press on. One of these days it will happen. One of these days it will happen. And she told me, just as you told me, it has happened. You have to persist. Church growth cannot happen in a day. It is a lifetime thing. Yes. Persist in outreaches. Persist in prayer. Persist in visitation. Persist in counseling. Persist in evangelism. I get what I'm saying. Persist in your faithfulness to God. Persist in walking right before the Lord. 
Because sometimes the reason why the church is not working is because the Lord is not with us. When your life is like Solomon, the Spirit has left you but you don't know. I say Solomon. Uh, uh, Samson. Samson. That all the sisters that God has given in your church, you have seen all of them, their nakedness. You the pastor. That's your specialty. Maybe that's why the church is not going. Can I have an amen? Amen. Eh? Wow. Many pastors, listen to this, many pastors are unwilling, unwilling, unwilling to apply the relentless, remitting, and exacting efforts that are required to accomplish church growth. Now listen to the words. Number one, relentless. Number two, unremitting. And number three, exacting. Effort. The effort to grow a large church must be eh, relentless. Relentless means you don't give up. You don't give up. Right there. Many of us can see why the church is not growing. Because you have given up. You gave up five years ago. You gave up three years ago. You gave up. He said, listen, I won't follow it again. I'm just okay with my 25 people. <laughs> but you cannot give up. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 1, Wherefore, seeing that we have this ministry, as having received mercy, we faint not. We cannot afford to faint. We cannot afford to faint. To give up. Wow. Eh? May the Lord give you the strength of a lion. May the Lord give you the strength of a lion. May the Lord give you the, the heart of a, of a horse. May the Lord give you the strength of a camel. Amen. 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 May the Lord give you the, the relentless spirit of a mountain goat. Amen. Listen to me. Decide that until you have seen your church fall. Until you have seen your church fall. Eh? You are not going to rest. Decide. Lift up your two hands and pray that prayer right now. Yes. Hallelujah. Jacob said to the angel, who was God? He said, bless me as I die. You have to bless me. Yeah. And he said, the Lord said to him, the reason why I'm blessing is because you have prevailed with man and God. You have rested with man and God, and then you have prevailed. Look, God realized that if he doesn't do something, Jacob will not allow him to go. So he, he, he caused a dislocation of his joint. Yeah. 
and he became weak and let him go. Otherwise, he was not ready to let God go. Hey, Charlie, you have to be desperate. Oh. You have to be desperate. May the Lord give you a spirit of desperation. Yes. That is why I say, and I mean it, that if you are a pastor, and you are truly pursuing church growth, even your erections will be affected. Oh yes. Because in the middle of the night, when you wake up, and you have erections towards your wife, and you remember the state of the church, how, like, like Sunday night, you have erections towards your wife Sunday night, and then you remember that only 12... <laughs> Twelve people came to church. Only twelve. After three years. Only twelve. Look, when immediately remember, all oh, everything will disappear. It's a true sign that look, you are seeking for church growth. But when in spite of that, you are always ready, I doubt your desire for church growth. Just like the issues of life causes you to lose your appetite. Is that not the case? Is that not the case? Is that not the case? Your wife will put a sumptuous meal before you say, no, I won't eat. Because the issues of life have taken out your appetite. I pray for you that from today, you will be restless in your spirit. May you be restless in your spirit until you have seen Hundreds of people and thousands of people in your church. And hundreds of branches in your church. And hundreds of pastors and workers in your church. How are you? Hallelujah. I'm talking about church growth and hard work. So in our Bible school, we try to Start, we try to give them that, that discipline of working hard. So in our Bible school, you go for lectures and then you also work. In fact, we even have a rotation where you do minor jobs. Yeah. Do minor jobs. You'll be on security, opening the gates for cars. You have to weed. You have to learn how to build church buildings, carry things, sweep. I remember one time uh, Bishop Dad had a meeting with some of the missionaries. He called for them and they were given the wrong date to come. So they came a couple of days earlier. I think two or three days earlier. So when they came, we were feeling so they said, oh, no problem. They would just stay. They were happy. You know, so they stayed in the hostel. By the time the meeting was starting, without anybody telling them, they have cleaned the whole campus. They cleared all the weeds. They cleared all the gutters. They, you know, and it's like, oh, we did. Yeah, that's, that's what we like. We cannot be here and the place is dirty or the place is weedy. Nobody told them. 
Many of you are poor because in your church, 30 member church, you have employed cleaners, ashes. Some of you, your church is 25. Out of the 25, three of them are your bodyguards that you pay. One carries your phone, the other carries your iPad. The other one follows you with water. Big pastor. <laughs> A bishop invited me to his church. <laughs> and the person through whom he invited me said to me, when you see him, even his presence will show you that he's a bishop. And he told me, you will see his bodyguards. And truly, 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 when he appeared, he said, wow, for his bodyguards. When I went to the church for the program, eh, he had just about 30 people there. Even our lighthouse people who followed me to the program, might have been more. I hear you've gone home. How many of you have gone home already? You've gone home already. Have you gone home? You are here. Are you sure? Hallelujah. Wow. Are we going to work hard? Yes. When you start the church, clean your own church arrange the chairs. When the church was, you know, quite small, Bishop Dark himself used to clean the church and arrange the chairs for people's weddings. He would go to the church to do that for people's weddings. That is why you have to be careful when you see somebody that God is using and you criticize God. You don't know the person's heart for God. You don't know the person's heart for God. And the passion and the energy and the constant effort that the person releases on the church. So your effort must be relentless and unremitting and then you must exact energy. Look, the sign that you are working hard is that you are always tired. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, when Paul was, was describing his credentials for an apostle, one of the things that he said was in weariness, in weariness and times, weariness. And many times when I wake up, I say to myself, Kweku interval. Oh, I even pity myself. I pity myself. Everywhere is aching. Most times when I wake up, my alarm goes off to rise up to pray. The first voice I hear is that, oh, today everybody will understand that we are tired. Yes, enjoy some. Just sleep some more. Hey! Hallelujah. Amen. I hear you go home. And I'm sharing from this book, Church Growth, It Is Possible. Get the copy. How many of you realize that there's power in it? It's power in it. Get a copy yourself. After this conference, continue to study it. Yes. 
This is what I am studying to build a large church. And I'm sharing out of it with you. I can share only a little bit. But there's more. There's more information that you need. Hallelujah. The church, like a farm, will require you to become, to bestow much labor on it. Diligence is the amount and constant earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Diligence is the persistent exertion of your body and mind towards your goal. People just want hands to be laid on them so that they can receive the magical gift of a mega church. But church growth does not happen that way. Church growth happens by being attentive and persistent in building the church. Church growth happens through diligence. Church growth will be given to pastors who believe in diligence. Church growth will be given to pastors who are relentless in their pursuit of church expansion. Hallelujah. Seven rewards for your constant efforts. Seven rewards for your constant efforts. Number one, pastors who exert a constant effort. Pastors who exert a constant effort to accomplish church growth can expect to be found without spot and blameless. Can expect to be found without spot and blameless. Pastors who exert a constant effort to accomplish church growth can expect to be found without spot and blameless. Second Peter three fourteen. Second Peter three fourteen. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Hallelujah. Number two. Number two. If you work hard, what are the rewards? Number one, you'll be found spotless and blameless. Yes. You know, look at me, pastors. How many of you know that there are a lot of temptations in the ministry? Oh, yeah. There are a lot of temptations in the ministry. Especially the girls. They worry us a lot. Yeah. Now, but you see, when you work hard, one of the things that happens is that you're always so tired. I get it. The only thing you are thinking about is if you get a little time, you just rest. And not to go and look for some girl somewhere. Yes. That alone helps you to remain blameless and spotless. Can I have an amen? Eh? Number two. Pastors who exert a constant effort to accomplish growth. So, listen. I'm happy to write. That first part of the sentence is the same. So just add on. Do you understand it? So pastors who exert a constant effort to accomplish church growth can expect to become rich through their work. Can expect to become rich through their work. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4. He becometh poor 
that dealeth with a slack hand or a lazy hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. The hand of the diligent maketh rich. He becometh poor. That dealeth of a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. So pastors who are diligent can expect to be rich. From the work that you do. From the work that you do. Yes. 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 Now, when you talk about prosperity of pastors, it's two things. Number one, prosperity in terms of the sheep. So you have a lot of sheep. So you are prospered in sheep. And prosperity in terms of material blessings. Yes. You cannot be poor when your church is large. You cannot be poor. You cannot be poor. One of the reasons why you must desire a mega church I gave you yesterday so that you have a large income. And a large income will allow you to fulfill all the different things that God wants you to do in the ministry. Amen. If the income is a lot, you can pay yourself well. And pastors, you have to pay yourself well. So that you don't go about begging from your church members. Sugar, bread. Do you understand it? Your visitations must not be turned into adventures for begging. And hoping for blessings. As you sit in your church members' nice hall. You'll be saying to yourself, Oh Lord. If I, you, you say, Pastor, please, just one minute. I, I want to check something. And can you be praying? Lord, touch his, touch his heart. Before I leave here, let him sow a seed. Let him package some sugar and bread and this and put it in a plastic bag for me. Let him give me a, a petrol coupon. Your visitation has been contaminated. Your relationship with the sheep has been misdirected now. When they are doing bad things, you can't even correct them. Because you are expecting something. So pay yourselves well. But how can you pay yourself well when the church is small? And you take the offering, first offering, second offering, with other encouragements, all Sundays, 15 Ghana cities. Or oh, oh, you don't understand the message. So, as you are being lazy, look, even right now as I'm standing here, I am dealing with instances of wives who have told some of our pastors, I am leaving. I said, Why are you leaving? Said, Bishop, this, if I follow this man, I will die. Yeah. One wife told me, 
One wife told me. She said, I am leaving the mission. I'm coming to Accra. I said, why? He said, Bishop, we have been there for three years. He doesn't have a church. He doesn't have a church. And the man of God was sitting there. And the, and the wife said, he doesn't pray. He watches TV and movies all the time. So, so I asked him, is that the case? He said, Bishop, it's true. That he quickly added, but I'm going to change. So I used my shepherdorial powers to encourage her to go back. A year later, she came back. 31st December. How many of you are encouraged during the 31st December service? You are encouraged that after all, you are a man of God. All of us, our churches are four. 31st December, she said, we were two in church. Himself and myself. Yeah, before that Christmas service, we were two. Himself and myself. And she said, it's over. It's over. As I'm speaking right now, he's not there. I told him, leave and go and look for a secular job. You, you can't build a church. You destroy everything about you. Laziness. He that dealeth with a slack hand shall be poor. Amen. Amen. But the diligent hand make it rich. Proverbs chapter 4, 10 verse 4. Yes. So your poverty that you are experiencing is directly linked to the amount of hours that you are spending sleeping and watching TV and you're using your mouth all the time to go for outreach without going. Many of us, we do math, proposal, hopeful evangelism. Oh, today we'll go for evangelism. You don't go. Because quickly, Satan will bring your special program. And now the TV, Satan has arranged all the programs. After this one, this one. After this one, this one. After this one, this one. Hey! Yes. Yes. Are you here? You go home. We are talking about church growth and hard work. Church growth and hard work. The rewards, if you work hard, one of the rewards is that you can expect to be rich. Listen. Listen. God didn't call you to make you poor. You are making yourself poor. How many of you are serving the Lord? Yeah. Eh? How many of you have obeyed to serve the Lord? Job 36, 11. If they shall obey him and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. So if you have obeyed to serve him, this is what you must expect. Days in prosperity, years in pleasures. So God didn't call you to make you poor. As you serve the Lord, and you shall serve the Lord, and he shall bless. That's his promise. All the people who serve the Lord, watch them. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these people, they were blessed. They were blessed. When Joseph stepped in Potiphar's house, everything changed. Yeah. When Jacob stepped in Laban's house for 14 years, Laban said, I perceive that everything has been great because of your presence. 
One of the reasons why you are poor is because of your laziness. And like I said, poor in sheep and poor in material blessings. So in your church, the sheep is few or none. Wow. So it's not only prayer. This is why we are not talking about prayer. We are not talking about anointing. All those are also there. But this is why we are talking about just sheer working hard. Working hard. Yes. I go to church Sunday mornings very early. Latest seven have arrived. I leave midnight and later. I preach five times on a Sunday. Five times. Then I move into training and counseling. And more training. And meetings. Yes. I'm pastoring the local church. I'm overseeing 400 churches. I'm overseeing a big Bible school of almost 1,000 students. Training them. Be involved in their affairs. You've got to work hard. You've got to work hard. Before you can do that. (laughs) So, if I'm rich, no jealousy, jealousy. No jealousy, jealousy. No jealousy, jealousy. If I have a nice car, no jealousy, jealousy. If I have a nice house, no jealousy, jealousy. You say you want to travel. Okay, travel. Your first problem is that you can't even buy the ticket. That's your first problem. That's your first problem. But the ticket is $1,500. Recently, I was traveling and the pastor said, can he come? I said, oh, no problem. I said, no. He was very happy when I said, no problem. Then I said, but buy your ticket. He said, okay, I'll buy. You know. Two weeks later, I asked, are you coming? He said, oh, um, uh, the ticket, something's not okay. Wow. May you work hard. And may you become rich. Hallelujah. Yes. Those of you pastors in this region, one of the things that we are blessed with is land. Land. Or land. So build a church. Start a school. Have a farm. Have a farm. Have a big young farm. You see, God is going to bless you where he has put you. Where he has put you. Rare pigs, animals. So you don't buy anything in terms of food. So the little money you get, you can buy a land, build your house, do whatever with it. Yeah? If I were here, that's what I would have done. I would have had a big farm. They can easily make me the district chief. Uh, best farm. Many of your church members don't have jobs, so employ them to go and work. They answer it and pay them there. Wow. Eh? Yes. Number three. Pastors who exert a constant effort to accomplish church growth 
can expect to become men of authority in charge of huge churches. You can expect to become a man of authority in charge of a huge church. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Yeah. I've heard many times when Reverend Stewart has spoken about how he relates with the political authority in the region, you know, and all that. I get what I'm saying. I'm sure they'll be afraid of him. I'm sure they'll be afraid. I'm sure when he speaks, and when he rises up and he speaks, it will carry weight. Yeah? Because you're the politician, four years, you're out. He's been here, out of nothing. God has used him to build a huge ministry out of nothing. God has made him a man of authority. So you can also be a, become a man of authority. Look, the church is a very powerful thing. You know. Throughout uh, human history, the church has always played a leading role. Yeah. Even the enlightenment is a bad example. But you see, the, everything was based on, on faith. Until some people began to reason, ah, how can you just believe? There must be a reason, you know, so they started analyzing and they brought in enlightenment. That is what killed the church. And the church went to associate itself with it. Yes. Huh? King James Bible, the translation. You understand? It was, you know, a man who is like the head of the church who said, do the translation. Many years ago in our country, during the revolution, the PNDC came up with a law that all churches must register, re-register, bring a list of members. And the Catholic Church students, they won't do it. Won't do it. Hey, we should be thankful to them. They covered all of us. Otherwise, all charismatic churches would have been wiped out. But the Catholic Church said, we will not do it. If you like, see, we'll, we'll take away all our relief services and all this, you see. Close down all our schools, you see. The government was trembling. Uh -huh. Wow. The pastor of the biggest church in the world. Do you know the pastor of the biggest church in the world? The Pope. He has more than one billion people in his church. He is the person that, when he goes somewhere, he's the only pastor that CNN, BBC, all the major news outlets will cover him and follow him. Yeah. If you like, you to, you to go and see whether they will follow him. Yeah. From time to time, he speaks. Every time he speaks, they listen. Every president, every leader listens. A pastor. But he has a huge, he's a man of authority over a huge church of more than one billion people. So when he speaks, you listen. When he speaks, you listen. Yeah. Yeah. Our church, Lida Chapel International, we can, we can determine the outcome of election results in this country. We can. Yes. We can. We can. If we say, everybody this way. Last year, when we gathered at the Independence Square, for the Good Friday service, there were 100,000 people. 
only Accra churches and surrounding Tema and some few places, 100,000. And if you remember, the 2008, 2008, the first one, election, that President Mills won. He won with just about 20,000 votes. If you remember, 20,000 votes. Hey! So the pastor oversets a church. It's a man of authority. If you joke with him, you are joking with something that you don't know how, you know, dangerous the thing can be. But many of us here, even though everything is right with you, a police corporal can harass you. He can harass you. And you'll be there, you'll be master, oh master, oh, oh master. Oh, Somebody was harassing us on a land that we are genuinely bought. Broke down our walls. Eh? Threatened to arrest us. Even arrested one of my pastors. I drove straight to the director of CID then, many years ago. I said, what nonsense is going on? What nonsense is going on? Sort out the issue. And I told him, if you don't do it, I'm going to write a petition to the IGP against you. Yeah. I was there when he picked up his phone and called. And said, what is going on there? Even the commander at the place didn't know what was going on. Some, some, some CID sergeant or corporal was just doing his own thing. Yeah. But when a man of authority appears, one time they arrested one of my pastors. This same land thing. So I was told. So I went to the police station to go and find out what had happened. And so I've come to bail him. When I got there, the sergeant told I don't know whether a lance corporal or private or whatever. He said, hey, the pastor himself has come. Lock him up. Yeah. He told the guy, he should lock me up. So the guy looked at me like this. Like this. He didn't move. So after about five minutes, they say, I told you to lock up the man. So then I jigged. And I said, Who are you on circumcised Philistine? Who are you? It was not easy for him. His immediate boss came. I added him. Blasted them. You have arrested my pastor. Even number one, you don't have the right, the right to arrest him. Number two, don't I have the, even if you have arrested don't I have the right to bail him? For that, you say they should lock me up. Then suddenly, I ask, who is the commander of this police? Who is the commander? So they showed me the office. When I went, he had gone, so I waited for him. He came, greeted him nicely. Went, I introduced myself. I told him, he said, what? I beg you, please sit down. I sat and crossed my leg. Then he called 
the guy. When he entered, is it the first time when he entered and saw his commander and saw, the way I sat and crossed my leg, he started trembling. Yeah. A man of authority. Yeah. Do you get it? By you. Taking bribe from you all the time. You are giving small, small tips. When they see you, they have to salute you. And they shall salute you. That's what the Bible says. And they shall salute you. And they shall salute you. I see you becoming a man of authority. But because of the church. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Number four. Pastors who exert a constant effort to accomplish church growth can expect to be made anointed, prosperous, and fat. To be made anointed, prosperous, and fat. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 4. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 4. The soul of the sluggard, the sluggard is the lazy person, desired and had nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Fat. Amen. Number five. Pastors who exert a constant effort to accomplish church growth can expect Plenteousness in church members and church growth. You can expect plenteousness or abundance in church members and in church growth. Proverbs 21.5 The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. But of everyone that is hasty only to want. So your thoughts, your efforts, your moves will lead to plenteousness. Your thoughts. Soon I'll be teaching you how church growth must consume you. Must consume you. Those of you who, who, who have married, do you remember? The thoughts of that lady is what led you to your plenteousness, in this case, of marriage. You have been ready to fight any man who will stand in your way. Child sisters, when we marry you, you should be grateful. But we have gone through a lot to be able to marry you. Hey! Amen? Number six. Pastors who exert a constant effort to accomplish church growth can expect to gain access to the corridors of power and influence. To gain access to the corridors of power and influence. Proverbs 22-29 See thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings, he shall not stand before mean men. Yes. Eh? 
who was the king who was very happy to see Jesus? Was it Herod? Eh? Yeah, he was very happy to see him. He said, I've heard a lot about you. Can you do one of those miracles for me? Yes. To have access to corridors of power. Are you getting what I'm saying? Wherever you are, eh? the district chief executive, the regional minister, the district health medical officer, all the district bosses must be people that you relate with. They know you. You know them. You have free access to them. They respect you. You respect them. But I can assure you that you will never gain their respect if your church is not working. You can't even invite them to your church. When they come, you are sitting in this dirty classroom with your seven people. That's it. Hello? Yeah. Many years ago, I went to see a powerful person, national leader. When I got to his secretariat, I said, I want to see him. They asked, do I have an appointment? I said, I don't have an appointment. I tell him that social and so is here. They went and within 30 seconds, they came and said, you should come. When I entered, he was sitting there, big desk. I just walked, greeted him, started chatting. I asked him, how are you? I hope you have been exercising. You are doing this national work. Your health is very important. Do exercise. Do do medical exercise. You know, so doc, you know, I work and that's it. It's very important. For about 15 minutes, I was just talking about his life, how he should take care, you know, and all that. Then we sat down, we came into a my issues. When I was going, so please, this is my card. Anytime, directly call. He said, I need an appointment. I don't need an appointment. <laughs> Tell him that I'm coming to see you. <laughs> see it thou a man, diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings and not before women. Wow. How many of you realize that working hard is to your own advantage? How many of you realize that? Working hard in the ministry. Working hard in the ministry. Working hard. They will see you as an honorable person. One day Bishop Dag went to visit a president. When the president came out and saw him, he said to the bishop, to what do I own this honor? The president of the country, when he saw Bishop Dag, to what do I own this hand. It's like your presence here is making me so honored. But to many of us, they will say, who is that? <laughs> Tell him that we are, we are... Release the dogs now. Can I have an Amen. We are talking about church growth and hard work. Hard work. Hmm? 
how many of you are deciding to go and work hard? Yes. Wow. And finally, pastors who exert a constant effort to accomplish church growth can expect to have a great ministry that will last many generations. Can expect eh, to have a great ministry that will last many generations. Proverbs chapter 27, 23 and 24. Proverbs 27, 23 and 24. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy heads. For riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation. Watch this. Riches are not forever. And the crown does not endure to every generation. So if you want riches to endure forever. And the crowns to endure to every generation. Then you must pay heed to your flock. You must watch over the sheep. The work that God has given to you properly. To ensure that it lasts. Jesus worked very hard in starting the church and training apostles and, and disciples and teaching them and establishing them and all that. He worked very hard. He walked from Galilee to Jerusalem 200 miles. Yes. All those places are there. Now, hmm? and that is why 2,000 years later, his church eh, is still in existence and strong and growing. Jesus' church has lasted for more than 2,000 years. Will your church last for 10 years? Will your church last for 25 years? My father in ministry, Bishop Doug, is always working training leaders all the time, reorganizing the church, reorganizing the church, coming up with new ideas, new ways of doing things, so that the church can last way beyond him and way beyond us, the current leaders. It takes a lot of hard work. One of the things that he has done is to build a permanent place of training pastors. The Bible school. A huge campus. The biggest private eh, institution of higher education in this country. For the last several years, every day, every day, he will go there himself. He will climb up to inspect the work. He will move into the bushes. He will go, goes here, goes there, goes there, give instructions. Oversee the work himself. Plus all the other things that he does. That is why today he has that Bible school. That ensures that pastors are trained forever by the grace of God. If the Lord Jesus Christ takes another 500 years to come, this Bible school will continue to churn out pastors. But it has not been easy. Even the physical effort. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear you've gone home. Stand to your feet and lift up your two hands and pray. And ask the Lord to give you the spirit of diligence. Ask the Lord to give you the spirit of diligence. 
ask the Lord to give you the spirit of diligence. Lift up your hands and pray. Pray. Come and lift up your hands and pray. Say, Lord, give me the spirit of diligence. Heal me from laziness. La emosia hayande. Atarimoho kabalimosikala. Lift up your hands and pray. Lord, give me the spirit of diligence. Give me the spirit of diligence, Lord. Andiboho kamindinaha. Rondori andiriboho kapidele mesikama handere. Oze mekebo. Makiliboho shete. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Wow. Is it a blessing? Is the Lord healing us of laziness? Yeah. How to work hard for a mega church? How to work hard? For a mega church. We have realized that we need to work hard for a mega church. And we have seen the result, the rewards that we can expect if we work hard. How do we work hard? Because how to work hard depends on the type of work that you do. So a footballer goes to the gym, trains in the morning runs, trains, trains in, the, in the evening, you know. There's a guy who used to play for Manchester United. He was called uh, David Beckham. He was a specialist at playing free kicks, bending it. So even they came out with a phrase, bend it like Beckham. I hear even some universities started 
studying, you know, the dynamics of it. Do you understand it? Now, after the normal training, when his colleagues have gone, he will stay back and then practice the free kicks. The best golfer of all time, probably, there's an argument, but some people believe that he's the best, you know, is called Tiger Woods. When he was in his peak, you see, in golf, you start from this point, you call the tee box. So you hit the ball. And they have distances. So sometimes the distance is just maybe 120 yards or 450 yards or 560 yards. So the longer it is, the more often you have to play the ball. And then now the ball must land into on what is called the green with a hole in it. The whole aim is to put the ball into the hole. And the fewer times you hit the ball, the better. So if you have to hit the ball five times before it gets into the hole, and you hit it three times, you have played very well. How many of you understand that? But the most difficult part is when you get to the green, to put the ball into the hole, it's called a pattern. You have to pat the ball into the hole. So sometimes the hole is at that column and then this is the green. Your ball has come here. So you have about 90 yards or 70 yards or 50 yards and you have to gauge it and pat it into the hole. Those who are able to do that often, you know, win the tournament. During his peak, this guy, Tiger Woods, Okay. He would practice pattern. He would, he would practice pattern. He would, pra- he, would, he would pat a thousand balls in the morning and a thousand balls in the evening. Yeah. That is why he was so good. Sometimes when the ball, when the hole is here and this is the green and we are around the green, you have to chip the ball into the hole. You practice that so many hours. In 2005, he did probably the best ever chip from around. You see, I don't know whether you can imagine. Let's say that this this puppet is the home, and he was here. And this part of the green slopes. And the puppet is down the slope. So you must put the ball here so that it will slope like this. Do you understand it? Eh? Yeah. 2008. 2005. He chipped the ball. The ball landed that way and started coming down. Everybody was watching. Everybody was watching. And then, to everybody's amazement, the ball now started going in the direction of the hole. So everybody was now screaming and shouting. 
And he was watching with eager eyes. And you know, the ball rose. It rose. The ball just rose, got to the edge of the hole and stopped. And everybody was like, ooh. And then within two seconds, it rolled again and dropped into the hole. It may be an accident, but he has been practicing. A farmer who is rich in his farming work has to be in the sun, has to be within, going to the farm, clearing the weeds. The point I'm trying to make is that eh, your hard work depends on the type of work. Marathon runners run for hours. If the marathon is 20 miles, they will normally run 30 miles. They will overdo it. Long distance runners will normally run. That is why the Ethiopians and the Kenyans are very good because their country is hilly. Yeah. So they will run on a hill, up and down. So now, when it comes to the real event, because it is flat, it's easy. How many of you understand that? So you too, there is a certain type of work that you must do to be able to build a large church as a pastor. Hallelujah. How to work hard for a mega church. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Amen. How do you become an industrious worker? Occupied all the time with the Lord's work. How do you become an effective, tenacious, and tireless minister of the gospel? How can you be relentless in your drive for church growth? Number one, work hard by using the most fruitful working hours. Work hard by using the most fruitful working hours. I'm now talking about how to work hard for a mega church. Work hard by using the most fruitful working hours. What is the most fruitful working hours for fishermen? It's not in the morning. It's not in the afternoon. In the dark. Late, late at night. But farmers don't farm late at night. So, Different working hours. Do you understand it? Are more fruitful depending on the type of work that you do. So what are the most fruitful hours for you as a pastor? Every true job has its own working hours. The work of the ministry has its own peculiar working hours. This often confuses people. They think pastors must be in the office from 9 a.m. to 5 people like everybody else. 
But those are the fruitful working hours of secular offices. But we are not bankers or accountants. We are ministers of the gospel. No more banking hours for pastors. Nobody asks pilots to work from 9 to 5 p.m. Everybody knows that their working hours are peculiar and everyone accepts that reality. Helps ministers and church administrators may have to work from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. like secular workers because of the nature of their ministry work. But shepherding pastors will have completely different fruitful working hours. On Sunday mornings, our church boots into action at 6 a.m. and we sometimes leave after midnight. Sunday is the church's busiest and most important day for the pastor. A Sunday well spent is like a whole week of work. It should be the case for every church. Pastors counsel, visit, and teach Bible school classes throughout the whole of Sunday. Pastors who are building their churches must then rest on Mondays. So, your most fruitful hours, if you want to build a large church, are Sundays. Sundays. And after your weekday services. But especially Sundays. So one of the church goal principles that Bishop Dark has taught over the years is the principle of maximize Sunday usage. The principle of maximize Sunday usage. That is making the maximum use of Sundays. Yes. Listen. A pastor who wants to build a mega church should not be found at home at 11 o'clock having lunch with your wife and watching Ukumbwaja. You are not serious. You are not serious. You are not serious. On Sundays, most of your church members are available for you to preach to them, minister to them, counsel them, solve their marital problems. Do you understand it? And all the other issues. On Sundays, most of your church members are available for you to turn them into church workers. Turn them into church workers. Train them to become church workers. Teach them to become like you. Most of them are at the church. On Sundays, most of your members who did not attend the service are sitting at home. If you go and visit them, you will find them at home. You will find them there. With, with frivolous reasons why they didn't come to church on that Sunday. Yes. Yes. So if you don't make good use of your Sunday, which most pastors don't. Most pastors don't. One of the mysteries people have about lighthouses, what do you people do in church? What do you people do in church on Sundays? They say, what type of church is this? That you go in the morning and you come at night. 
But you see, that is one of the secrets to the success of the church. Because we make use of Sundays. Yes. By the close of Sunday, 60 to 70% of your work within the week is done. Watch. Your people that you are pastoring within the week, you can't find them in the mornings. In the evenings, you can't find them because they have gone to work or they have gone to the farm. True or not true? Is it true or not true? Yes. So what, what do you do? So you say, yeah, pastor, what do you do? That is why you sleep a lot. During the day, you have nothing doing. You are in full-time ministry. You have 35 people. So what do you do? What do you do? I'm asking you, what do you do? Do you get it? That is why Sunday, the people are there. How many of you agree that most of your people are in church on Sundays? How many, how many of you? I want to see your hand. Yeah. So why are you leaving them? You see pastors, after preaching, after preaching, you're going to sit in your car or you're taking your taxi or whatever and go home. Are you a president or a prime minister? It's president and prime ministers who give a speech and when they finish, they are ushered into their cars and then they are driven away. Are you a prime minister? Since when did you become a president? You have to stay in the church. Do you understand it? You have to do deep sea fishing. What is deep sea fishing? On Sundays, the members who have come to church, there are some that you know very well. There are others that you don't know. There are visitors that you don't know. There are people that maybe have started attending your church over a couple of weeks that you don't know. Deep sea fishing means that now you after preaching, you walk through the, 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 the crowd, okay? And then you identify such people and you make an effort to know them. What is your name? How long have you been in this church? Wow, I didn't know that you were here. Do you do anything? Please, I want you to come and see me next week Sunday, you know, for us to talk some more. There are a lot of people who come into our churches they sit in the churches and they disappear without our knowledge. Because we have become prime ministers. Eh? Yeah. After service, you must line up your members and do one-on-one counseling. One-on-one counseling. Why? Because that is when they are in the church. Or oh, you can't understand that. I'm asking you that Tuesday morning, can you find them? They are in the banks. They are the NGO. They travel to Accra on their farms. You can't find them. When you are, where are you? Oh, I'm coming back from Techiman. On my way, I'll pass through, you know, Kentampo. I'll be there with my sister for the next three days before I come. You can't get them. But Sundays, they are in church. Pastors, it be so or it not be so. Yeah. You can cancel them. One by one, the different issues will come out. Eh? Jesus granted private interviews or one-on-one counseling sessions. Do you remember Nicodemus? He went to Jesus. 
The Bartimaeus was Jesus' church member. Cancelled. Remember Matthew 19, the young rich man who came to Jesus and said, Good master, what shall I do that I'll inherit the kingdom of God? Private interview. Jesus explained to him. Go and sell everything. First, Jesus said, don't do bad things. Don't do cocaine. Oh, those things dear by the grace of God. Then Jesus said, okay, now, go and sell everything you have and come and follow me. He went away very sad. Different counseling sessions that Jesus had of individuals. You can do that on Sundays. You can run your new believer school yourself. Your new convert school. You can run it yourself. Okay? When I hear Bishop Dark preaching, when he does the altar call, I hear him saying, all oh, those of you who are giving your life to Christ, okay? I want you to wait for me here. Don't go until you have seen me. I'm coming to see you personally. Yes. Is it this a pastor who wants to build a large church? Listen to me, pastors. You joke with your new converts. Your church will never grow. Never grow. Never grow. And at a certain stage of your church, you, the pastor, you can handle the new believers to yourself. Listen, new believers, new believers are, new believers and, and visitors are the most important people to a pastor on a Sunday. You must be oriented towards them. You must be mindful towards them. You must make sure that you don't lose them. Hallelujah. So you have to teach them. When I go around our missions, the missions that don't do it, one of the things that I can see clear, they don't have a new believer school. They don't. They simply don't. Or it's very weak. And he said, my church is not growing. How do you expect a church to grow? God gives you the people. You must keep the people in the church. You must keep the people in the church. And the first step is new believers. So after the service, you are finished preaching. Oh, don't be tired. Because we are talking about church growth and hard work. So after you have cleaned your face with you know, your towel and drank some cold water, it is now time to go to the next level which is going to teach at the New Believer School. So that's something that you can do. Then now, you need workers. You need workers to help you. You need workers to help you. Where are you going to get people that will visit the sheep, preach to the sheep, care for the sheep? Where are you going to buy them from? You can't buy them from any shop. You have to train them. So you have to set up a church workers training school. We call it shepherds training school. Our workers are called shepherds. In some churches they call them leaders. They call them deacons. Pastor how do you call your workers in your church? They are hot. Your workers, your church workers, how do you call them? In your, in your church. Do you have a special name for them? Yes. Those who help you. You call them church workers. Yeah, some people call them 
deacons, deaconesses, whatever, elders, you know, eh? you have to establish a special school. Are you getting that? And then once again, <laughs> you are finished with the new convert school. You, you are finished preaching. You preach for two hours. So that is over. You have done counseling. You have done new reverse school. Now it is time to go and train seven people. Seven people. I'm talking about a pastor who wants to build a large church. You have to train them. You have to sit them down. Tell them, God willing, every Sunday from 11 to 12 or 10 to 11, one hour, we'll have a training. Nobody should go. Stay around. I'll teach you. I'm going to teach you on how to pray. I'm going to teach you on how to visit the sheep. I'm going to teach you on how to counsel them. I'm going to teach you on how to interact with them. I'm going to teach you on how to solve their problems. I'm going to teach you how to teach them. That is how you get workers. That is how you get workers. In the church. You set up a workers training school. And once again, at a certain stage of the church, you have to do that yourself. Because you are the best person to impact knowledge anointings, skills to them. A pastor with a 30 member church should not let somebody else run your new believer school. And you see, if you do all this and that I'm telling you, that is why by 11 o'clock you can't be in the house. You cannot. How many of you read that? You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. Yes. And after that, you tell your workers, Charlie, you guys, within the week, you are going to the farm, you are going to fishing, you are going to work at the bank, and you don't pray. How many of you really don't pray? They all lift up their hands. So every Sunday, I want us to pray at least one hour after church. I want us to pray for ourselves, for the church, at least one hour. Yes. We are there with you. Wow. That's why I'm saying that Sunday is a fruitful working hours. Sundays. That is why you can't go home at 10. You have finished preaching, you have gone home to, walk, to, to eat teaser told your wife. So your wife, as you are preaching, in the middle of the preaching, you signal your wife, Charlie. So she leaves earlier. What a shock. <laughs> eh? If you do that, you will be poor in sheep and you will be poor in material blessings. Yes? Wow. Are you here and go home? How many of you are realizing that? Look. Uh, that is why my church is not growing. Because what the man is talking about, I don't do it. How many sincere brothers and sisters are here? Yeah? 12 o'clock, you are in the house, you have put your leg on your wife's leg. With your arms around her waist. 
pastor, when only 12 people came to church. And most of the people are, are sitting at home. What is your hand doing around your wife's waist? At 12 o'clock. You say, oh, afternoon jam, afternoon jam. You must not have erections. You must not. I want to tell that you should not have erections. Twelve people came to church. Twelve. And you have been in that church for five years. Look, in the past twenty-something years, I can count how many times on a Sunday I've seen the sun. I can count. How many times on a Sunday I have seen the sun. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes when there are football matches, Blast Stars is playing. How many of you are there? The church members, they don't want to come to church. The shepherds, they don't want to come. So I tell them, we are going to watch the match. We'll watch it in the church. We'll watch. Yes. And so you come. We are all going to watch. So we set up a screen. We'll all be gender, shout, Asamoyan! Shouting! When we finish, church is continuing. We are finished. Whether we are happy or we are sad, we are finished. Now, church is continuing. Can I have an amen? amen? How many of you are going to use your Sundays very well? Eh? From today, the earliest you have to go home is 10 p.m. Tell your wife. I know that you have gone for a washing. We are in the church. 10 p.m. Yes. Find something to do. Find something to do. Is it a good policy? 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 10 p.m. You are there. Look, even after you have finished, suppose your church is very small, you have finished doing everything, so now you don't have anything to do. You can pray from 7 to 10, 3 hours. Spend time praying with your senior whatever or whatever. Pray, even pray. That is work. Prayer for the pastor is work. For the pastor, prayer is work. I tell our missionaries, my first question when I meet them, how many hours do you pray? Based on what they tell me, I tell them, you are doing the ministry or you are not doing the ministry. And I tell them, if you are not praying where you are, seven hours a day, seven hours, 3 a.m. to 10 a.m., don't tell me that you are working. Don't tell me that you are working. You are not working. The ministry is prayer. So if the church is small and by seven you are finished with everything, use the seven to ten to pray. It's part of the work. 
Instead of going home and your children are all over you, shouting, this one screaming here, you know, and, and, and many of you pastors, your wives have turned you into domestic helpers. They have turned you into dom- your wife. So you should bath their children, send them to school, wash their clothing, do this, do this. So the real ministry work, you don't do it. You have not prayed, but you are washing dishes. You are this. Look, that is not your work. I said that is not your work. Resign. Today when you go, tell your wife, resignation letter. Protest. Use a placard. I will never be turned. I will not be... I've resigned from domestic. Listen, I've resigned. How many of you resign? Resign. Resign. I'm not saying don't help your wives, but I'm talking about now, dear, it's like you are cooking. Your lazy wife doesn't know how to cook. The food is always full of salt. One pastor had a, a guest. The wife always, when she cooks, the salt is too much. He had thought that the thing was not changing. One time I got a guest. And just before they started eating, because he knew that there was a lot of salt, he told the guest that, me, I like a lot of salt in my food. I like a lot of salt. You see, you don't like a lot of salt. Your wife doesn't know how to cook. You have not prayed. You have not studied the scriptures. You have not waited upon the Lord. Look at you are walking around. They have sent you to the market, the school. Moving up and down. That is not your work. That is not your work. That is not your work. I said that is not your work. And pastor's wives. Okay, accept it. Accept it. But you are not helping your husband. I don't help your husband. What is your work? Peter said, Acts 6 4. We shall give ourselves continually to prayer and to the word. The ministry of the word. How many of you are going to resign from domestic? Yeah. See, that's why this conference, you have to come with your. Pastor, don't come to this conference alone. It will not help you. Come with your church workers and your wife also. Your wife should be sitting here. As we are talking. As you are resigning, she's here. Is it some of you who are very sorry that your wife is not here? Because even now your problem is how to tender in your resignation letter. She will tell you, eh? All right. Me too from today, I'll be sad and when I'm going to sleep in bed, I'll wear three jeans. I'll wear three jeans. I'll put on my panty, put on jeans, number one, number two, number three. No problem. Pastors, no problem. The solution is easy. When you're going to sleep, sleep, go for a pair of scissors. In the middle of the night, you'll hear thrrr, thrrr. She said, What are you doing? It's not a problem. I'm making a way. I'm making a way. I'm making a way. Are you clapping your hands for Jesus, somebody? Give the Lord.
what a shock. Way making ministry. That is why you don't have time to do the ministry. They have turned you into a domestic worker. Yes. Hallelujah. Hmm? How to work hard for a beggar church. Number one, work hard by using the most fruitful working hours. Number two, work hard by spending a lot of time on the church. Work hard by spending a lot of time on the church. A lot of time. You must spend a lot of time on the church. Hallelujah. When an activity consumes just a few minutes of your time in a week, it cannot be called your work. For instance, I drive my car for a few minutes every day, but my work is not driving per se. It is something that I do on my way to work. However, if driving a car for example, a taxi, were to become my work, I will not spend less than eight hours a day driving. Then to me, driving will have become my work. You cannot claim to be doing the work of the ministry until it actually consumes a reasonable amount of time in your week. If waiting on God, catching the anointing, catching revelation, and receiving guidance from the Holy Spirit does not take up many hours and days of your week, then you are not working yet. For a minister of the gospel, praying and waiting on God must take up many hours. If it is work, it will take up your time. That is why I said, if you are not praying seven hours, you say you are in full-time ministry. You are not praying seven hours. You are not praying three hours. Five hours. You are not working. You are joking. You are joking. You are joking. Yes. Recently I heard Bishop Doug saying, I pray more now than ever before. So why? Bishop Dagwood Mills, I expect you by now to be relaxing and enjoying and be on holidays. What else do you want? Largest crusades in Africa now, God has given to you. Eh? The biggest charismatic denomination in this country. Yes. I did a study in 2011. You can Google, Google my name, you'll find it there. You see the comparisons in all areas. You see it. You see it. God has given to you. What else do you want? Relax. Relax. He says, no, 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 no. I'm praying more. And you, your church is 20 people. For the past seven years, 20. 
20 and you are snoring. You, are, you snore. You enjoy snoring. And watching TV. You have gathered your wife and your children watching Okumbwaje. It's true. It's true. You are laughing. Hey, look at an Indian man speaking to you. Look at that. Hey, hey, look at you. Look at you. You see children of Bishop Dagwood Mills who are an embarrassment to him. An embarrassment. Your church is an embarrassment to him. It's an embarrassment. Yeah. The son of an elephant is an elephant. You cannot be the son of an elephant. You look like a dog. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But see, one of the reasons that you don't work hard, like the way your father is working hard, but Jesus said, my father worked hitherto and I work. But you are not working. You are not working. And you see lighthouse pastors that are poor. They are taking their head. Well, my poor, the church is not taking care of me. Which church should take care of you? You have the church. You have the church. So which church should take care of you? Eh? Your blessing and the money that you need is in the mouth of the sheep that you are catching. When they came to Jesus in Matthew 17 and they said, the task people have come. Jesus said to Peter, go into the river and catch the fish. And when you catch the fish, open the mouth, look into it, the coin is there, take it. You eat from the fish that you catch. No fish, no coin. That's why you are poor. Are you gone? You see junior pastors. You are not happy with your senior pastor. He should share his blessings with you. He trained you. He has given you the opportunity to go and start a branch of the church. That is your life. Remember, pastors who give themselves to hard work to build a large church will expect the reward of becoming rich. Do you remember? We just learned it. Yeah, but you have been dealing with a slack hand. Lazy. You are damn lazy. Can't wake up. Can't pray. Can't study. You are just there. Breathing in and out. Just breathing in and out. The whole day, you are just breathing in and out. Huh? Oh, sluggard. The Bible says, oh, sluggard. How long would I sleep? Oh, sluggard. How long? How long? Last year, I, I refused to appoint about 27. The class was about 36. Eh? 55. I refused to appoint, out of the 50, about 36 of them or so as pastors. 
Yes. I say your practical work is not good. We have been doing church planting for one year. We have five sheep. How should we lay our hands upon you to say that you are a pastor? You are not a pastor. Your exam resource is so poor. You are not disciplined. Over 36 of them, I said, you are not going to become pastors. Go home. Come after six months. The ministry must consume you. It must consume a lot of your time. Less sleeping, less movies. Many of our missionaries spend their time watching movies. Yeah. One time Bishop Dab visited one of our missionaries. The guy didn't have a church. But he was an expert movie watcher. Because Bishop has had this person, so I, I, I watch movies. Then Bishop said, oh, wow. Please remind me, when I go, I'll send you more movies. <laughs> Anymore. Today he's not in ministry. He's not in ministry. Yes. We brought you to Bible school free of charge. We trained you four years free of charge. Free of charge. Our Bible school, we trained lighthouse people, non-lighthouse people, free of charge. Four years. Laid our hands on you. Appointed as a pastor. Send you, gave you allowance for a year or two. You don't have a church. You don't have a church. You say the church is not blessing you. The church is not building a house for you. The church is not. Uh, you don't have fish. When you have fish and you open the mouth, there'll be a coin there. How many of you understand that? So junior pastors, and then you go on to become disloyal. Jealous of your senior pastor. Do you understand it? You want to enjoy the comforts of your senior pastor. He drives a good car. You also want to enjoy the same thing. But you are sleeping. I'm not sleeping. Huh? Even his wife, if you can get her for about one week, is to Absalom. Absalom. He took his father's soft spot woman, lined them up. I've been thinking about his father's wives and concubines, but enjoy all of them. Absalom. And you have Absalomic sons in the ministry. Who have such ideas. You are a dangerous son. You won't do well in the ministry. Hello? We are talking about church good and hard work. How many of you have understood the message? Eh? One of your greatest enemies for your life and ministry is your laziness. Your laziness. Your laziness. Your laziness. Yes. 
You don't study the Bible. You only read the Bible just around the time you are going to preach. That is why your preaching is not deep. It doesn't change the people. You don't learn how to preach. Because for you to learn how to preach, you have to watch a good preacher. You have to follow a good preacher. Watch his videos. Listen to his voice preaching for a long time. Then that same preaching style and our mountain will rub on you. Yeah. Many pastors don't study the Bible. One child told the overseer, he said, the mother was a, a pastor. I said, my mother, she doesn't read the Bible. She doesn't read the Bible. When she's about to go and preach, then she'll just look at the scripture. So it is not deep in you. So when you start to talk, to preach, you talk, what, the things that we are saying, nobody understands them. Yeah. One day a pastor was preaching and then somebody lifted up the hand. Said, yes. Then the member got and said, Pastor, the preaching that you are preaching, there are no verses in them. No verses. Let verses go inside. There are no verses. So, so stories, PNDC, NDC, MPP, this is stories. There are no, there are no verses. Hallelujah. Are you here you are not here? Huh? Wow. Wow. Work hard by spending a lot of time on the church. When you were not a pastor building a large church, you could afford to spend a few minutes catching the anointing. You could afford to spend 20 minutes receiving a revelation from the word. But now that you are a serious professional mega church builder, you need to spend several hours and days waiting on the Lord. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have an amen? amen? Why don't you clap your hands for the Lord? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Lift up your hands and pray and say, Lord, deliver me from laziness. Help me to work hard. Give me a diligent spirit. Lift up your hands and begin to pray. Ale moko pale mo katarandere mo zibahatere mo shida. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your help. In Jesus' name. Amen. been blessed by this message. We invite you to worship with us at the Lighthouse Chapel International Light of the World Cathedral Collegon, opposite the Collegon Main Gate. Please note our service times. English services, early rain service, 6.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. His presence service, 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And love and faith service, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Other languages, L'Eglise Glorious, French, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Love and Victory, Ghana, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And Love and Hope, Tree, 
9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant You Church also starts at 12 noon to 2 p.m. Be part of our midweek importation service this and every Tuesday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. prompt. For prayer, counseling and further inquiries, please call 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. The numbers again, 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. God bless you.